Hello, everyone, and welcome to Minute 85 of Season 5 of Movie Around Minute, the daily podcast where we yippee-ki-yay our way through the 1990 Bruce Willis action flick, Die Hard 2 Die Harder, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me to finish off this week is Lisa Leahy. Yeah, there we go. Oh, okay, good. You did. Well done. (laughs) (laughs) From the Rabbit Hole Podcast Network, welcome back, Lisa Thank you. I'm so glad I made it through the week. Yeah, me too. Me too. I'm, 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 I'm very glad. You know, you, you, you gave me some interesting I'm things not over sure the week. To, to... I mean, by the time I get to, to bedtime tonight, you know, after my first, you know, real week with kids, I may not make it too well. But I made it with you anyway. Well, just think about it from the perspective, you know, that, that uh, you know, you get to talk about that hard too. There it is. See? Who cares? Who cares about having to deal with the kids? You know, come on. Nah. Trust me, there's a reason I'm an English teacher. And talk about all the books and movies I want and just be a nerd and get paid for it. It's a beautiful thing. There you go. That's right. <laughs> See, I, I like doing all those things for free. So yeah. I don't know I don't know what that means about me. I don't know what that says. You know, if it says if I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing that I prefer to do it for free. You know, I'm I'm of the impression that if I'm doing it for free, then you know, I get to choose how I'm doing it and when I'm doing it and things like that, as opposed to feeling an obligation to do it. That is a good call. That is a good call. I mean, I have, you know, that formal curriculum and certain things I'm supposed to teach, but every now and then I go off on a bit of a tangent. You might have noticed some of that from my uh, podcast guesting. You? Uh, you? <laughs> no, come on. Come on. It's very atypical. No, I don't think never so. never when I work either. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't think so. No. Uh, so, minute, minute 80. Enjoying. That's right. So minute 85 begins with John seeing Baker in the distance and ends with Barnes, Barnes phoning a friend. Yes. Yes. So, I mean, basically, yeah, basically we left things on, on you know, yesterday where we were talking about, you know, uh, uh, how many of the houses are, you know, celebrate Christmas and how many don't <laughs> yes. and things like that, you know, and the, and, and the the script confirmed it. You know, we Thank had a little bit of help there. Thank goodness for the Goldsteins. You know, we would have just and... been stuck on our own uh, suppositions, and gosh, we never would have known. And thankfully, the script helped us seal that mystery. So that, that that's good. <laughs> so, we never have to wonder you know, again. We will never have to worry wonder again because you know uh, we're 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 gonna have to find out what what John's going to be doing dealing with Baker now somehow. I don't know. Don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Yep. So basically, you know, John and and Barnes decided that they're going to get a little closer. They're going to go check out the, uh, the 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 church area. And while they decide to do this, you know, they they see a man out for a walk. You know, and you know, then then John says, uh, "Could be a century." And then Barnes goes, well, he could just be out for a walk. And he right. says, then why is he going over his own footsteps? Which uh, I got to say is is a great catch because, you know, you're just looking at somebody walking and you're not really paying any attention to how he's walking. I mean, we can't see from the, the video ourselves, you know, that they are walking, that, that, that Baker is apparently walking uh, over his own footsteps. You know, right. I, you know, you, you'd think that he wouldn't be that careful. About this type of thing. Well, or just I, I being wonder, out for a walk. 
I wondered if it was a matter of him literally walking over his own footsteps or was he simply pacing? And for some reason, that was the way it was described. Um, do, do you think pacing not, or if he just stays in the same, you know, he's, he's going in the same pattern? That's, so that's what I'm wondering. Like, is he literally because you think somebody going back and forth in their own footsteps means they're trying to hide the fact that they're there. But if he's some sort of sentry, well, they're hiding, he's trying to like, trying to hide their numbers, you know, like 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 like, like sand people okay. do. Okay, like so sand that people makes do. More sense. Sand, see, there we go. Back to the Star Wars stuff, right? That's see, right. See, in my brain, I go right to the Dink Dinks, which is really not what most Star Wars people. Okay, the Dink Dinks, the Dink Dink, the Dink Dinks is is spaceballs, so it's close enough. You know, it's fine. <laughs> I can't help it. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, no, that's an interesting point. Because if they're trying to hide how many of them there are, then just kind of willy-nilly going back and forth wouldn't do them any good. Okay, so that so that makes more sense. I appreciate the explanation for me. Right, because because I mean, when you go back to the 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 analogy that I just brought with the Sand People, so you know when in the first Star Wars movie, you know which is yep. now dubbed the New Hope, right? So you have the whole idea where you know they they're they're wondering whether it was the Sand People who attacked Luke's and the Uncle or not. And then, uh, so Obi-Wan was basically saying that, you know, the Sand People travel, you know, uh, they, they have their Banthas walk one after the other to hide their number, you know. Uh, and when Stormtroopers, you know, pretend to be Sand People, they don't do that. So, you know, that, that's what it comes down to. So sense. is Baker trying to hide his numbers or just hiding the fact that he is the same person walking around, you know? So, mm. I don't know. We're never really going to find that out because uh, no, you know. unless that's also in the script, but I find that unlikely because I don't know. We'll have to wait until we get there at the end. At the at the end of the at the end of today's episode, we will get there towards the end. <laughs> okay. And then uh, we get John and Barnes. They both crouch by by a car, and you know, then John turns to him and goes, "Come on, all right, just stay here and get ready to call the Marines." And then Barnes looks at him and goes, "I thought they were the army." And he goes, "Who gives a?" Just be ready. <laughs> what, what difference does that make? I think it's kind of wonderful. Yeah, it's it's basically showing John's disdain for them, you know, for Grant and all his men and stuff like that. Like he doesn't really care. You know, it doesn't yeah, really make a difference if it's the army or the Marines. Bring a bunch of people here. We're going to need them. <laughs> that's right. Bring them. But, the but what's interesting? What's interesting is he still wants them to show up. Right. You know, that's the whole thing. You know, if he's if if he is obviously he's not really suspicious of Grant. But if he doesn't believe that Grant is necessarily there for the for the right reasons, so I can sort of understand why he wouldn't necessarily want them to be there. But I guess he realizes the inevitably he needs to call them in. Right. You know, even if he doesn't need them, because in the end they they need to be there in order to possibly you know finish finish things off. Right. For sure. I don't know. Well, the other thing is that yeah. Well, I mean, McLean. As much as he knows he's right, he's not one of these, you know, egotistical guys in charge who are like, oh, I'm the one who can do all of this. Like, despite the fact that he has proven more than once now that he can take an entire team of people, he prefers not to, which I have to say is is good thinking on his part, because I would prefer not to take on, you know, a, a whole army of people myself either. I would prefer to have backup. Well, you're not John McClane. Come on. This is very true. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. You know, I you might like sometimes act tired. like John McClane, but you are not John McClane. I might have John McClane's mouth, yes. <laughs> I may sometimes <laughs> have that kind of uh, 
sarcasm and stuff. I do need to work on my yell, though. He does have that wonderful John McClane yell that he uses. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's very possible. Yes. <laughs> John cocks his gun and gets up and starts uh, moving towards the church. You know, he's crouching over a little bit as he's doing it. You know, he's doing it in a st- stealthy manner. Yeah. And then he gets to, to like, a fence, which is a uh, typical white picket fence. Yes. Well, it is you a know, nice he, suburban and, neighborhood. And we see that he's about to, to try and climb over that fence. Now, what do you know about white picket fences? I know that it's that, you know, quintessential suburban house kind of thing. I know that there was a TV show starring Tom Skerritt in what, the around this time, called Picket Fences. Some kind of drama yeah, it, or something. Yeah, it started around. in 92. It was, it, was, uh, it, was, it was a drama about the goings-on in this small little, uh, uh, I think it was a New England town. Yeah, so uh, the with, kind with, of thing uh, that I would be Cindy, all over Cindy today. I, I love that show. It was a great show. It was. It I was. I wasn't. Um, I, I for whatever reason it wasn't in my wheelhouse at the time. I was still kind of young. I was, you know, junior high at that point. So it wasn't quite my wheelhouse. But I think it's definitely something I would be very into today. In fact, I should probably look that up. See if I can find yeah, it. You probably can. You can probably track it down somewhere. Yeah. Okay. And so, do you do you know? Uh, uh, anything about the history of picket fences, of like when I they started don't. being used and stuff like that? No, I don't. I mean, what what kind of fence was was Tom Sawyer painting? You know, did he help out with that? Mark Twain could be. Um, I, I remember if he was painting it, a picket fence. I, I I think it was. I think it was. So a picket fence is a type of fence often used decoratively for domestic boundaries, distinguished by the their evenly spaced vertical boards, which are known as pickets. Attached to horizontal rails. Picket fences are particularly popular in the U.S., with the white picket fence coming to symbolize the ideal middle-class suburban life. Okay, this this style has been used since the earliest colonial era and wow. still is popular today. So, again, we're talking 247, 247 years. Wow. Impressive. That's right. Uh, pickets were historically sharpened logs used to defend positions and used as such by early colonists. Now they're used in a decorative way to contain pets and children without blocking views. Yes. And they're used in both front and backyards. Uh, they're typically made out of wood and painted white or sometimes whitewashed. Mm-hmm. But nowadays they're mostly, you know, you, you people buy them uh, with low maintenance uh, PVC or vinyl and stuff like that. No whitewashing that, there. That, yeah. We don't need Tom Sawyer sitting out in the yard neglecting his duties. If it already comes <laughs> taken care of, we don't need to hire some neighborhood right. kid to not do the work. That's very true. <laughs> so, <laughs> so John, you know, is, gets towards the the fence, and we're waiting for him to to basically jump over it. And then the the, the shot changes because they, they do a great editing job at this minute. You know, the shot changes, and we see someone dialing a phone, and we can. Easily tell that it, that it is Holly. Mm-hmm. Did did you did you try to see what number she's dialing? I didn't. I usually t- I tend to just let that pass for whatever reason. Yeah, and I was just curious if they you know would have her, you know, type in any particular uh, type of phone number or something like that. Right. And we actually see it. She presses the green button, which I guess is the send button, and then she okay. dials four five nine four five eight one. So she sort of forgets to put in a area code. Yeah, from the air. <laughs> That's right. 
So, you know, it, John has the uh, international, uh, you know, uh, number of 459-4581. I love it. <laughs> I just yes. love that it's a pager. Like, it's just, it's funny to me. <laughs> so you look at the That's deck right. now and, it, you know, as he's running, you know that, oh, God. As soon as you have that jump cut to Holly on the plane, you're like, oh, this is going to be great timing. But, um, right. Exactly. And, and then it's, like, we it's see... not a cell phone. We're watching it now and you think, oh, you know, the cell phone is going to ring. And it's like, oh, wait, no. <laughs> That's right. And, and you know, I, I'm, if I remember correctly, you can put a beeper on vibrate also, but he didn't at the Definitely. time. No. And, you know, then we see John uh, on the other side of the fence and he's he starts moving and then his beeper goes off. And he like he goes over. <laughs> That's right. And he stops in the middle and tries to shut off the beeper. And then he looks up. And as he's looking up, Baker has a flying leap towards him. <laughs> he does. You know, and like pulls him really, you know, like pushes him really far. You know, and, and the, the music changes here. It's very intense music, the way that they do well, this. This is the music from when Hans Gruber is falling from the Nakatomi Tower. You know, it's interesting because this is that exact music. And I'm like, okay, so we're going that intense for this particular moment. Like, this isn't the climax of the story or anything. And, you know, just having seen that movie so many times, like, that music is very particular to me. And I'm like, what is this? Right, I mean, it's, it's, it's also Michael Kamen. Michael Kamen did the music for both. Which so is that makes wonderful. Sense. But I think eh, reusing it here, I don't know. I mean, maybe later on, but now is not the climax of the movie. Why would you bring it back here? Well, I actually look at it from a different perspective. I say that it's actually a great idea that they use it now because yeah. it's the idea that, that they're basically saying, okay, you know, we're going to outdo the previous movie and by outdoing the okay. previous movie you know we're, we're gonna first we're, we're gonna use the the climactic music from the first one at a point that is not there yet Interesting. meaning you okay. have you have to get high i mean that's the way i look at it you have to i think that's get totally to a, fair a higher level in order to to do that interesting yeah that, that's the way i look at it that's an interesting I, perspective i like it, it. I'm glad that I'm able to intrigue you. <laughs> You've been intriguing me all week, Rob. This is this has always been a great time. Well, that, that's that's the point, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we, we mentioned beepers. What, what do you know about beepers? I know that it took me forever to get one. My parents eventually did conceive and gave me one. Um, I know there was absolutely no reason for me to why have did one you need, being a child. Why did you need – I was going to say, why because did you need a beeper? The only people who had beepers that were children are, are drug dealers. That's just it. Doctors and drug dealers, and you are neither. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's just one of those stupid things. But, I mean, it's funny because we would text people each other. We would text – yeah, ew, that was hard. Sentences don't work for me. We would text each other through it. You know, you would send little messages with codes based on where the letters were on the numbers. So it's like, you know, you would text each other with the original – what was it, T9 or whatever that code was before we could actually text properly. But, like, we would actually send each other messages through the, the beeper using that. So that's all I got. I don't have actual history of it. I just have my stupid Oh, wow. Of it. Oh, yeah. You see, I never, I, I never had I never had a beeper. Never never need, had the need for it. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, because it was just that I early am neither, way I am neither a doctor you. nor a drug dealer. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> neither was I, but apparently that's what we did in the 90s. We're like, oh. Need yeah, my pager apparently. so that people can get a hold of me. But, I mean, it was good if your parents needed you or whatever. It was just that those early days of having a way to get a hold of you when they needed you. Right. 
That's true. Now, do you, do you know other names for a beeper? Uh, I know beeper and pager. Correct. And I don't think okay. I have anything other than that. The other one is a bleeper. I've, I've never, never heard that before. No, I haven't never either. Heard before. And did you know that they had they have two types of, of uh, pagers? The, they have the ones that are one-way pagers, which you can only receive messages on. Mm-hmm. And then you have other ones where you can actually write back, you know, two-way, two-way pagers. You can acknowledge, I mean, I, reply, you know, things like that. I mean, I guess like, the, the early days of, you know, texting, I would expect. Right. That's true. When when do you think pagers were developed? Oh, gosh. My gut says the early 80s, but it's probably more of the 70s. It's the 50s. It was the 1950s. Get out. That They're was... that old. Mm-hmm. They had drug and obviously, the apparently, <laughs> the middle eyed, right? So, what is now the, the, the middle eyed, right? Isn't that what it's oh, called? I'm not sure. That's not a term I know. Come on, Billy Joel. Children I, I, the I, middle I, sorry. <laughs> I do like my Billy Joel, but apparently, I've, I've fallen, fallen into the yeah. failure zone here. <laughs> Correct. So, basically, the first pagers were, were created in 1950 for, for doctors in New York. They basically would pay a fee of $12 a month, and they were able to see, receive messages as long as they were within 25 miles of uh, the, the transmitter, transmitter tower. Interesting. Yeah. Then, uh, you know, in 1962, it started, uh, you know, ex- they expanded their use and things like that. Eventually, uh, you know, it went to Motorola, and Motorola actually stopped uh, – uh, manufacturing pagers in 2001. Yeah. And I mean, nowadays, no, nowadays nobody uses them. <laughs> no, I mean, not really. You don't need them. That's right. They're they're very obsolete these days. But uh, the, the idea is 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 a great idea, you know, from back then about yeah. how one, you know, that you can just, you know, leave someone a message and say that they have their that they need to call you back. That's pretty much it. Yeah. It's like get get to me and you know find a phone somewhere. It's easy to get a get to a phone. Nowadays, that would be trickier, I think. Well, nowadays, everyone just has a phone, so you don't have to worry about that. Right, but what if you're found without one? I mean, my goodness. Most people are not willing to just sort of turn over their cell phone to a stranger on the street, and it's hard to get pay phones and stuff. I mean, at this point, right. I think if you found yourself in an emergency situation, you'd have to find a business and, like, find their landline. Right, it's true. So, yeah, well, I, I guess it's a good thing that we don't have to worry about this anymore. Yes, thank goodness. <laughs> Sorry, so, so, you know, this intense music uh, starts and John and Baker start fighting. And and then the shot changes and we, we get to see uh, Barnes taking out a, a phone, which, again, is a mm-hmm. huge, huge cell phone. So is, it and, a, is it a satellite phone, that one? I can't remember. Yes. The, okay. We, we, we established earlier on that this is a satellite phone. Yes. Okay. You know, for, for obvious reasons, it makes sense. Right. You know. That's what they have access to. That's right. And then we see that Barnes uh, types in uh, zero, 01 and then send. And then it, it flips back to, to get another few seconds of, of John and, and Baker, uh, you know, brawling on the side there. Yes. And then we're, we're back to Barnes, who's on the phone, and he goes, Lorenzo. And then he gets cut off, so people are gonna have to come back on Monday to actually uh, find out what he wants we to say to We gotta wait a whole Lorenzo. weekend for this. My That's right. goodness. 
That's right. Just just go into hibernation sleep, and you'll be fine. You won't See, even that's, I can do that. That I can manage. <laughs> All right. So you have anything else for, for this minute or the movie in general before we get into the script? No, I think it's good. I think we covered it pretty well. I definitely agree. I think we did also. So the, the script says, uh, Baker is walking almost casually around the rear of the house. McLean and Barnes huddle, whisper, could be a century. And he could just be out for a walk. And why is he going over his own footprints? Oh, there it is. Indeed. Baker's steady progress has made a trench around the church property, and the distinctive print of his galoshes now makes double images. McLean says, stay here. Get ready to call the Marines. I thought they were on me. Who the f*** cares? Just be ready. Saying this, McLean takes his own gun from his holster and puts it in the back of his trousers, then moves on. Barnes takes out a cellular phone, lurks under a tree. McLean moves from shadow to shadow and tree to tree like an Indian stalking a set settler. <laughs> what? what, what that, oh, that's classic. Description. You're not going to get that description anymore. Good grief. Should have no, 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 that. not at all. That's right. <laughs> closer, closer. Holly and then says, uh, a shot of Holly on the plane. Holly drops her credit card in the airphone, starts the dial. Baker's only a yard away. Closer, closer, and then beep. Baker instantly whips his head around. The hidden Mac-10 coming up, but the winter outerwear slows him. McLean dives on him. So it's interesting that in the script, McLean jumps on him as opposed to Baker jumping on McLean. Barnes reacts, begins to dial the phone. And then uh, it says the, the, the dial reads no service. Barnes says, Shit. He raises the antenna, realizing he's got to move, runs towards the street. McLean and Baker crash into the fence with a crack. McLean has Baker's gun hand and slams it down on the, on the splintered fence. Again, again, blood wells. The gun drops. Baker rolls, taking McLean away from the weapon. They trade brutal punches. The church, and he says through the rear window here, we see the fence give and bend again, and the sound is muffled by the wind in the glass. So they like, basically give us a shot through the window of of John and Baker fighting. And that's how things end for for this minute. Ooh, interesting. Much more. In, well, I, yeah. I mean, it's pretty intense in the movie as well, but a, lot, a couple, little bit extra there in the uh, script. Yeah, it's a little extra. I mean, basically, next next week, we will begin with the, the whole idea of the, we'll continue with their fight. You know, so you have to come back next week to find out what happens in this fight. It's like you did that deliberately. Did you like plan this me? week out to land on a cliffhanger like this? No, 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 not me. I don't do that. That's <laughs> that. That's Rennie Harland and the the oh, editor did that fine. because they knew 33 years ago that someone was going to be doing this movie minute by minute, and they said let's screw them up I and mean, keep them on cliffhangers just about every week. Totally. I mean, Rennie Harland knew that there's certain shots needed to be in the trailer. He totally saw in advance that podcasts were going to be doing minute by minutes for him. That's right. That's right. And, and I'm glad, you know, it yes. works well for us. It does. It works fan. very well for us. Yeah. So every Friday we have a segment called Where Are They Up To This Weekend? Oh. Which uh, I, Lisa's probably wondering what this is all about. I'm and, very uh, intrigued. Basically, basically, this is a, uh, a segment that I decided to, to do in order to uh, test test my guests' uh, memories oh boy. a little bit. Okay, <laughs> okay. so be- because Lisa doesn't do a Movies by Minute podcast, so I asked her for her three favorite movies. Yes. And now we're going to find out how well she knows those movies in order to try and figure out. We're, we now uh, have finished 85 minutes of this movie, so we're at the, the hour and 25 minute mark. Okay. So 
Okay, now I want to see if, if Lisa can figure out where her favorite movies are up to at the hour and 25 minute mark. Oh, fun. I like this. I was wondering why you wanted okay. those movies. I'm like, ah, they, it go. changes all the time. But okay, here's what here's what they are today. Okay, cool. That, that's fine. We're, we're, we'll do. Okay, so we're going to start off with The Exorcist. Yes. Okay, what do you think is going on? And obviously, I take, you know, I take it all, you, you get a little bit of, of leeway here. Because, uh, you know, there are different versions of the movies and things like that. So where do you think The Exorcist is up to uh, at the 85-minute mark? What do you think is going on? Oh, let me think. So I'm kind of going through the film in my head at this point. So by now, Reagan is definitely possessed. We've gotten past all of the medical stuff. Um, but I don't know yet if... Father Merrin has entered the picture because that's more of the climax of the film. So I think we're still dealing with Damien Karras working on this. I'm going to go with, this is probably about where Damien Karras is um, seeing visions of his mother and seeing visions of the demon Pazuzu uh, taunting him about not caring for his mother no, nope. so last days, not even close. You're okay. like, nope. I, no, I, I couldn't, I can't say, I can't say if you're close or not, but, but what is going on in this scene is when, you know, the, he says to, to, to the possessed Reagan, show me Reagan and I'll loosen one of the straps. And then oh. the response is, do you want to leave a message? I love it. Oh, and then, you know what? Right. He does, oh, that's funny. And the demon does bring up his mother in that scene. Yes, kindly loosen the straps, the demon says. That's right. Oh, that's a good that's right. Okay, yeah, see, that is pretty early on, but yeah. Interesting. Well, I mean, there's there's only 47 minutes left to the movie after this point. But right. Yeah, I knew we good. were past the halfway point. Yeah, yeah, we're definitely past the halfway point. Okay, the next one we're going to go to is Primal Fear, which, because you, you mentioned this, I actually went and, re and rewatched it today. Oh, it's so uh, good. So I have it fresh in my mind, too. So what is going on at the 85-minute mark in Primal Fear? Oh, gosh. They're in the courtroom by now. Trial has definitely begun. I'm going to say this is the point when um, – oh, shame on me. I can't remember his name. Oh, I can't remember Richard Gere's character's name. I'm going to say this Martin, is when – Martin. Martin. Oh, God. Marty. Um, Martin Vale. Martin Vale. Vale. Thank you. God, shame. I have to go watch this again. Um, I'm going to say this is when he's visiting um, Aaron's hometown. No, he hasn't gotten there yet. Okay. This is the point. This is the point where he actually finds out that, you know, he, he's debating what he's going to do about the fact that, that, that Aaron has a, that Aaron and Roy are, are both, uh, are both there. So is he in the interrogation room on that scene? He's in or the interrogation is... room. Oh, it's, it's, see. It's right after the interrogation room. Interesting. Okay. So he had that that whole uh, shock scene. Yes. Yes. Very now, cool. uh, um, did you did, have you read the novel? Yes. Okay. So it's, it's I fantastic. read the novel before this movie came out. And, and oh, it's, that's uh, William, cool. William uh, Dial, Deal. I don't know how yeah, it's pronounced. Yeah, I've only said Deal, but yeah, same guy. Okay, so I loved the book. It's I thought so it was good. amazing. And I got to say, when I first saw the movie, I was very disappointed oh. because the last line of the book is changed in the movie by uh, one word. 
One word. One word. In the movie, in the movie, we, we have Aaron say, or Roy say, maybe there really was no, oh no, he says there he says was there no. There never was an Aaron. There never was. In the book, it's maybe there never was. Oh, and the, okay. So he's being slick in the, the book. And and the book, leaving it very ambiguous, mm-hmm. it, to me, was just even more powerful than definitively saying that, you know, the line in the movie. Right. Even though Edward Norton, Edward Norton does a great job here. There's no question. And when I rewatched it today, I was amazed how amazing the the entire cast is. Yes. It's absolutely I mean, all the people, I mean, you have, you have, you have Laura Linney, John Mahoney, Alfred Woodard, Francis McDormand, Edward Norton, Terry O'Quinn, which yes. I've only, you know, now start recognizing him in all the movies that he was in, you know, before Lost, I never knew who he was, you know, mm-hmm. um, Andre Brower, Stephen Bauer. Uh, Joe Spano, uh, more attorney, yes, uh, and obviously Richard Gere. I mean, it's just such a great uh, cast. No and it's 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 the film that changed my mind on um, you know, courtroom films. Before then, I always insisted I'm like courtroom movies are boring. I don't want to see it. My friends literally forced me. You know, like oh, we're all hanging out. We're gonna watch a movie. What are we watching? This thing. I don't want to watch that. I was like adamant. And they were like, no, this is what we're watching. And then, you know, as the ending comes up, they watched me watch the ending because they knew it's like, you know, my jaw hit the floor and it was like, oh, this is good. Wow. This is very good. But, um, you know, I obviously this this is the movie where I discovered Edward Norton, huge favorite of mine since. And um, it's interesting that you mentioned like that specific ending to the book, which I, I haven't read more than once. And there's a series that follows Roy. Like this character continues oh, in I other books. That. So if it would been, yeah, if it been a standalone, and I'm sure Deal didn't anticipate, you know, like the movie, and then I don't know when the decision was made to continue writing these books. I don't know if it was if it was a Thomas Harris kind of thing. It's like you know the movie became so big that he decided to keep going the way right. you know he did with Hannibal Lecter, and the, the quality obviously dropped from there. But um, had that been a standalone and stayed that way, that ending would be much more impactful. But I think me coming to it later and now knowing that there were more books makes that less useful, I think. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. I haven't read any of the other books because I don't care for series in books. I just want to read a standalone and move on. But Yeah, no, I, I completely understand that one for sure. Hmm. So Interesting. Such a good one. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, it's really good. All right, so uh, now we will go to your final movie, which, as far as I oh, know, oh, see, this is gonna kill me when I get it wrong. As far as I know, this <laughs> is you, you know, your the, the movie that you always talk about. This is it. So this is always, but this has been my favorite movie since like high school. Like this has never changed. All right, so ask me for a top five. You know, two through five are gonna change, but one never will. Okay, Ghostbusters is always on top there. So what is going on in Ghost, Ghostbusters at the eighty-five minute mark? I don't know. <laughs> um, let me think. Um, it's got to be toward the end. I don't think this is a... I don't even know how long Ghostbusters there are, is. There, there's, there's 19 minutes left in the movie after this. Yeah, I was going to say, this is pretty close to the end for an 80s comedy. This is not going to be some two and a half hour thing. Um, so at the 85 minute mark, I'm going to go with... This is when they're in Dana Barrett's apartment. And Ray asks, hey, where do these stairs go? And Venkman answers, they go up. 
Well, you are definitely there. You're at the right point because they are on the Yay! they're on the top of, of the, the the building, and you know they they see the stairs going up, and then we have get out. Am I really that close? You are really that close. I'm so proud of me. Yay! I can keep my title as as Ghostbusters nerd. As I sit here, like a friend of mine, there's a, a guy on Etsy who does uh, these little tapes. He takes VHS tapes. I'm showing uh, Rob on screen because obviously you at home can't see it. But he takes VHS tapes and he makes like these little nostalgic things. There's actually lights in where the tape would actually be. Um, and so I have my Ghostbusters VHS tape light sitting over here with the the clamshell case that it came in so i need to make sure that i'm doing my movie justice and i'm so glad i got that right <laughs> i would have been very sad if i was far off well again there, there are different versions of it so you, you know could have you could have been yeah. uh, closer or you could have been further away depending on the true the whole thing but but yeah i did need the hint I did need the hint of how much was left in the movie, though, really? but that's okay. That, no, come on. I, 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 I trust you enough. I wasn't certain. <laughs> thank you. All right. So thank you. That was that was great. I, I hope you had fun doing that. Uh, then, Absolutely. All right. So, uh, Lisa, why don't you, for the final time this this week, tell everyone where they uh, can find Lisa Lee Hay. Leahy, oh, Leahy, there it is. It's Leahy, gone. Leahy, 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 Leahy. Keep all of that in. Um, <laughs> so you can keep all that in to make me look like an idiot. Thank you. <laughs> I, no, it's just funny that by the end of the week, no, see, this is perfect. First week of school, we're still trying to get everybody's names and we're still screwing it up. And even though we write down the phonetic pronunciation, we're still messing it Which up. Which I did. It's, I wrote, the I wrote it piece. down L A Y H E. You know? Yep. Nope. Still can't do it. Wait, do, okay. do, do kids in school call you uh, uh, Miss, Miss Leahy or is it uh, uh, informal and they just call you Lisa? How does that work these days? Uh, no, they don't call me Lisa. They may yell Leahy at me without the miss, Mrs., um, which is fine. But it's not – so my maiden name is Passanelli. And so I was pass pretty much through the whole the entirety of my career until I got married. And even now there are people who will still call me pass. I'm like, I'm pass. I'll absolutely be pass for the rest of my life. But um, with Leahy, there really isn't any way to shorten it. So they just kind of call me by the full name. So the, the formal kids, the ones whose whose parents have drilled it into them will very formally call me Mrs. Leahy. But a lot of times it's just Leahy, I need you. Come here. No, so but like what's you. what's the school <laughs> so. policy on how, uh, you know, pupils are supposed to refer to their teachers? When I was in school, it you, was you know, it was Mr. It was Mrs. You know, there was. Yes. You know, still. and I know that my kids are much more informal with their teachers and I can't understand. And they call them by first name. Well, my kids friends will come over and call me by my first name. You know, and it's like instead of oh, you by your that too. No, I'm saying I think it's a generational thing because when I grew up, all of my parents' friends huh. were Mister this, Mister Mrs. that. You know, it was a very respectful way to uh, to do it. And nowadays, right? I don't know. I think it also depends on the person. So, like, you'll have kids who do it. I I don't know any teacher in the building who's nobody's going by their first name. Um, I had a student teacher who. You know, like if it was me, she she asked the kids to call her like Miss Lisa. Um, so she used her first name with the miss. 
Um, so that was, it's, you still had that respectful honorarium there. Um, and then I know there was this whole push for a while where kids would call you either miss or mister, and you'd have some people who would get offended by that, uh, because they weren't using their actual name. And I was like, look, they, there's a lot worse they could call you. That, that <laughs> you is know, true. And they, they would get offended because they're like, you know, I have a name, use it. But it was still a respectful honorarium. It was still a way for them to show it was just it was a way of shortening it because they wouldn't call you Leahy. You know, they would just be like, Miss. Um, it was just a shortened way to get your attention. Um, I don't know. I think some of it has to do with the 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 diverse cultures we have in my building. Um, and it has shifted a little bit, but I, I don't know. It's 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 an interesting kind of setup, I think, because I think there's the there's a respectful familiarity when they just call you by your last name. And, you know, by calling me pass and whatever. I mean, there was, we're a building and, and as a teacher, it's something I like to foster, you know, like that comfort and that respect. But, you know, obviously still the teacher-student boundary, if right. that makes yeah, sense. Of course it is. So I don't need, you know, people sitting at their desks with their hands folded and speak only when spoken to. You know, we don't play that game anymore. Right. No, but it's just uh, you still need the respect. You know, that, that's what it comes down to. Totally. Yeah. Growing up, I mean, all of my parents, my friends' parents were either mom or dad. <laughs> it was like we were this very close knit group of people and we were always at each other's houses. And so it was just everybody's mom was mom. Everybody's dad was dad. It was just easier. <laughs> OK. Makes it easier. You don't have to remember, uh, you know, everyone's names. <laughs> well, because none of all, none of us were ever comfortable. I mean, my my childhood best friend, we've been friends since second grade, still has trouble calling my mother by her first name. Okay, and I can I can understand so, that. And my mother is constantly correcting me. I yeah. can understand that. You know, again, but I think it's a, it's a generational yep. thing. I think it's what it comes down to. It is. Yep. All right, great. Um, I already asked you to give your plugs, right? I'm trying to remember. Um, I don't remember if I actually got oh, okay. them. I, we got to stress. That's what I think so too. I'll okay. Do them again. So Lisa, why don't you tell people where they? <laughs> oh, it's because you mispronounced ah, my that's name. Right. There you go. <laughs> so, okay, so Lisa, so, why don't you see, why don't you tell people? how they can get in touch with you lisa lady all right so you can find me <laughs> that's the one you can find me on the rabbit hole podcast network you can find us at rabbitholepodcasts.com um and i am on between the scares a podcast on which jason soto and i are going are working our way through every film that jason blum and blumhouse productions have put out into the world uh, for better or for worse. There's also Pictures and Conversations, which is a rabbit hole podcast book club. We put out new episodes on the 20th of every month. Um, and, you know, I just my general shenanigans of guesting on other people's podcasts. So you never know where I may turn up. OK, that's good. That's fun. <laughs> All right. And finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for a movie around minute. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter or you can find me on my website, movearoundminute.com. So, Lisa, thank you very much for joining me. Oh, I'm so glad to have been here. This was such fun. Everyone, have a great weekend, and until Monday, yippee-ki-yay! Yippee-ki-yay! If you're fond of sand dunes and salty air, quaint little villages, it